Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. You know, um, what grabbed me uh, about this probably was this scripture here. Uh, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Uh, Let's just pray. Father, um, I know I've prepared lots of things. I've read lots of scriptures. But Father, I ask you to uh, lead me by your spirit right now. Thank you, Lord, for the, the wealth and the beautiful wealth that's in your word, Lord. So I just thank you, Lord, for the, uh, the grace and the anointing, Lord, to, to share what, whatever you desire me to share. In Jesus' name, amen. But um, this morning as I was studying over the various scriptures, um, I felt like God said to me, but the, the vein that goes through all this subject is the love of God. And he said, talk about the love of God first. So I'm going to just talk about the love of God first. Because it's amazing, even the scriptures that talk about the love of God um, are talking about, you know, for example, God so loved the world that he, what did he do? He gave his son. Well, who was the son? The son was Jesus. But Jesus was the Messiah. So let's look at some of those scriptures and then we'll, we'll get on. Where I'd like to get to tonight, maybe we won't get there, but where I would like to get to is get to the stage where Jesus has ascended back into heaven and is seated at, at the right hand of the Father. And then the Apostle Paul, in his letters to the various churches, starts to expound... Um, a revelation of Christ that the, the Old Testament saints didn't have. It's called a mystery, the mystery of the gospel or the mystery of Christ in you. And I'd love to get to that place. So we'll see if we get there, um, we'll probably delve into Ephesians and Colossians and some amazing uh, scriptures in there. But I think the most important thing I want us to see is that is our position, our identity. And our position and our identity, sometimes we, 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 we don't really see ourselves properly because our identity is in Christ. Paul the Apostle, I remember reading this many years ago and I didn't really understand the depths of it. But Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives. I think I mentioned this last time. But it's such a powerful truth. He, he said things like, Uh, our life is hidden with Christ in God. That's some statement. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. And then he says things like, I was crucified with Christ, buried in baptism and risen to new life in Christ. So Paul saw himself as a new creature, as a new person. But the life of that new person was in Christ I don't know about you guys, but you know, this is, in a sense, it's taken me all these years to kind of even delve into a subject like this because it's so vast, it's so de- uh, deep, and it's so beautiful. And um, 
For me personally, it's just been kind of an, a, another layer of the love of God, seeing the love of God, seeing the, 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 uh, the preparation. You know, for thousands of years, the Old Testament prophets uh, talked about this common Messiah and, and spoke various things about him. We might look at a few scriptures on that in, in a few minutes. Um, so you have, like, um, I don't know, many thousand, well, there's 4,000 years BC of human history. And um, from Moses and the, the first five books of the Bible, right through the prophets and the, and the Psalms, the Messiah is, is kind of, is put in there. Things about the Messiah is placed in the various uh, prophecies. And, uh, you know, I, I read recently that um, most scholars say there's, there's definitely 300 plus prophecies just about the Messiah. There's, I think, I think I heard something like 1,700 prophecies, or maybe there's more than that, in the Old Testament talking about the future. But just about the Messiah, it, there's at least 300, 350. One guy believes that there's 450. Um, now I just spent a little bit of time over the last few weeks, you know, finding some of them prophecies. And... Um, um, we'll look at some of those scriptures in a minute. But let's just go back. Because the vein, remember what I said a minute ago, the vein that goes through this whole thing is the love of God. Amen. And the love of God started even before he created man, I think. But it certainly was evident in God's response to the fall of the man he's just after creating. He's just after creating man in his own image and likeness. No other creature in the universe like man. Amen. And then man falls because of disobedience and um, immediately God starts. You see, you see the, the messianic um, thinking of God initiated in, in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3 where he talks about the, the seed of a woman bruising the head of Satan. Anyway, um, so let's just look at a few scriptures. Um, and maybe Joel can stick them up on the screen for us. So obviously the, the one that we all know, John 3.16, but let's look at it again in the light of what I'm talking about. <clears throat> you know, every time, it's amazing, like scriptures like this, he said, well, everybody knows that one. <laughs> but there's depths in there that 40 years later, you're still seeing a depth. I see a depth of this scripture even now that I didn't see before. Anyway, God so loved, or in God in this manner, in this way, loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Of course, in the last few months, because I realized the preparation of the Christ in the Old Testament, 
that he's talking about the Christ here. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, the Old Testament saints were expecting a Christ to come to save um, the people. But what they didn't know is, uh, or at least I'm not sure, because I haven't studied well enough yet, but um, it was the Son of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have, have everlasting life. Look in Titus chapter 3. And verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of God our Saviour toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. When the kindness and the love of God our Saviour toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. You know, his mercy, his love, was the, the motive to save us. Let's look at another one, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He demonstrates his own love. While we were still sinners, wow, that's a mouthful. Christ died for us. Demonstrates, another way of saying that is, God proves or exhibits his own love towards us. He puts in display or on show his love for us. And how did he do it? He sent his son who happened to be the Christ that the Old Testament prophets had prophesied about. And the Christ died and through that reconciled us to God. And it was the love of God that was the motive behind that. Let's look at another one. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 2. Uh, well, just go back to the second part of verse 1. Uh, to the saints who are at Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Look at these, you know, these are kind, gentle words, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. How do he do it? In Christ. He's blessed us 
with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. You're going to see this again and again and again. In Christ. It's like a package deal in Christ. Maybe that's a bit, uh, you know, maybe that's not a nice way to say it, but it's kind of like that. Because in Christ, there's so much in Christ. And, and we were placed in Christ. And we're going to see in a minute how we were placed in Christ. We were placed in Christ because God gave us, um, he gave us a, de- in Romans it says, there, there's none righteous, no, not one. All mankind was, was designated sinners, fallen short of the glory of God, no hope in this world. And then in steps Christ. And <clears throat> what Christ provided for us, and this is important, he provided a death for us, a burial. That was for the old me. And then he rose from the dead and he provided for us a resurrection to a new life. That's why the scripture says we're new creatures in Christ. We're new creatures because when Jesus rose from the dead, I identify myself in him. So we identify ourselves in Jesus in, in all those stages, in his death and burial. That's why when we were baptized in the sea, we go down into the water. It's a symbol of our of our death in Christ. I've identified myself in Christ. He died and was buried and I was in there with him. But when he rose from the dead, I was in there too. And that's why he says, we are seated in Christ, far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, in heavenly places at the right hand side of the Father. That's where our position is. Uh, you know, I, I'm still trying to get my head around what that means. But I know this much. The salvation that Jesus wrought was not a sort of a, a sideline thing. It was the main act. And it goes further than that because he places in Christ, um, he, like he says things like, when, when, G, when Christ appears, we'll appear with him also. We're with him forever. We're in Christ. He calls us the body of Christ. I'm nearly scared to say some of the things that, that, that I see in that until I search the scripture more. But it's, it's just really beautiful. It's so intimate how God has brought us into himself. Jesus made statements in, I think in the Gospel of John, he says, talks about I and the Father and the Father and me and you and me. You know, it's almost like he's put us in the same world. Of course, we're the family of God. Well, that's not just a kind of a, you know, we're, we're family, like we're buds, you know. No, no, he's put us in the family. We're in Christ. That's uh, just amazing. <clears throat> so verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Another thing that, that has struck me in, in this study is the, the, um, 
the involvement of the Father. Not just Jesus obeying the Father to come, but the Father's intent and plan behind the whole thing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's the Father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And he did it through his Son, Jesus Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That is amazing. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's amazing. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's all good, but... um, um, 2 Corinthians 5.19 verse 18 says now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ or through Jesus the anointed one the Messiah and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ. I love this scripture, it is so lovely. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And then he talks about us being ambassadors of Christ. So we get to, Um, be ministers of reconciliation ourselves. Uh, Sorry. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world. So God was doing the reconciling through Jesus. And then he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. Take the message now of the gospel and, and tell people and reconcile them to me. The work is done. Jesus uh, obeyed, went to the cross, seated at the right hand of the Father. The work is finished. But now our job is to go and reconcile with the message. Take the message and reconcile men to God. The second part of verse 19 says, and committed to us the word of reconciliation. Um, 1 John 4 9 and 10. Uh, actually, go, go to uh, verse 7. We'll start in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. That means love proceeds or it originates in God. It springs forth from God. Love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 9 says, In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. That word means uh, to be a full price. The total price, the full price. Jesus didn't half do the job. He paid the full price. His blood was sufficient. Verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. You know, it's always the reason why we love other people. First Corinthians, what, is, what chapter is it, 13? You know, and if you look at the qualities of love, patience and long-suffering and um, many of the, the, the characteristics of the love, if not all of them, have to do with dealing with people who are not perfect, who don't always measure up, who don't, you know, but we still, we love them. But we love them on the basis of this scripture here. Beloved, if God so loved the world, look at the price that it, it, that it cost, or look at the, the cost to redeem me and you. It cost him, his son. It cost the blood of Jesus to redeem all of us. Uh, so it's only a small thing, really, if we reciprocate that, that kind that kind of love, that uh, quality of love to one another. It's easy. It's easy to love when you realize how much it costs to redeem me. You know, who, who am I to judge another man? Don't care how bad he is. And I know we, we, we can sometimes justify ourselves sometimes, but, you know, he says here, he says, beloved, if God so loved us, I mean, in this manner, that he sent his son, then we ought to love one another. And then one more scripture, or two. Two? First uh, Timothy 1.15. Um, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Paul, that's uh, Paul speaking to Timothy. He saw himself as the chief sinner. <laughs> anyway, for this, uh, f- uh, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. <clears throat> and one more scripture First uh, John 3 1 behold what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God the offspring the the um, the, ch- the child of God, technon. What manner, behold what manner, what sort, what quality of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. 
Amen. Just a few scriptures on the love of God, you know. Um, so in, the, in that context, I want to just maybe move on then. Um, going back to what we said, God was in Christ. And, and that was in 2 Corinthians 5.19, I mentioned a second ago. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So let's just move on and let's talk about Christ again for a minute. So the last time we talked, we mentioned how the prophets had prophesied. And then in a little manger in Bethlehem, a baby was born to a virgin, which was, which was um, one of the um, prophets had said that. And I think it's in, in Micah. And, um, and Jesus was born. Um, <clears throat> and the Gospels are full of the fulfillment of all these Old Testament prophecies in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating just to read through the Gospels again and see all the times that they... they um, they refer to the prophets. They refer to uh, the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah and how they're fulfilled in the Gospels. It's just an amazing read. It's only recently it's really struck me. Um, I think in my mind sometimes I had sort of separated Jesus from the complex complexities of the thousands of years before that not realizing that when Jesus entered into the planet, um, you know, in, in John chapter one, it says the word, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then in verse 14 of, of John chapter one, it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. It's talking about Jesus. <clears throat> Actually, let's just go to John chapter 1 and look at that for a second. Are we okay so far? Verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, He was in in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him now he's talking about Jesus here Jesus you know um, the word was in in eternity in the past with the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. And the Word was made flesh and was given the name Jesus. There was a body prepared for him, a human body prepared for the Word that became flesh. And that was the body of Jesus. 
So when you, when you see walking through, Jesus walking through, you know, the, the, the villages, you've got to realize who you're looking at here. This is the word of God made flesh. This is not just some upstart preacher, you know, a sort of a sideline event. This is the main event. Um, it's all good here, but let's see. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, He, sorry, this was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. John the Baptist knew that Jesus, he wasn't just come on the scene recently, he, he's from the eternal past. And of his fullness we have received in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, only, uh, sorry, the only begotten son who was in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Um, verse 29. Um, so John the Baptist introduces Jesus as the Lamb of God, another messianic um, prophecy fulfilled uh, we'll see that in a second the next day John saw Jesus coming toward them and said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world this is he of whom I said after me comes a man who was preferred before me for he was before me Uh, verse 33 says, I did not know him, but he who sent me. Now, this is John the Baptist talking. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So here's the first man. Actually, that's not correct because when Jesus was born, you had a, a few old folk, um, the uh, prophetess Anna and I can't remember, Zach, Zachariah, who already prophesied over Jesus at his birth. They, they, they saw this is the, the promised Messiah. They knew from the Old Testament scriptures that this is this baby, this is the one. This is the one we've been waiting for. <clears throat> but now here's uh, John the Baptist's turn. And he's identifying Jesus as the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the, the one who takes away the sins of the world. He also now is testifying, this is the Messiah. This is the one that I was sent. This, my ministry was to pre prepare the way for him. And here he is. This is him. And he pointed, said, this is the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the Son of God. Um... um Verse 35, again, the next day, John stood with his two disciples and looking at Jesus as, as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said to his own disciples, look, this is, the, this is, the, this is him, the, the Lamb of God. <clears throat> Down as first, uh, let's see, 
verse 41. Um, let's see now. I better go back to verse 38. And Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what, are you, what do you seek? And he said, Rabbi, which is to, uh, to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Um, it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, so now here we go. Here go another guy testifies that Jesus is the Messiah. We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Kephas. What I'm trying to show you here is that from this moment on, Jesus again and again and again and again is, seen, or is shown to be the promised Messiah, the Christ, and happens again and again. Uh, down in verse uh, 48, Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Again, Son of God, King of Israel, ruler of Israel. Um, these were all terms in the Old Testament times referring to the Messiah. Okay. <clears throat> Matthew 16, 16. Peter's turn. Mentioned this last time, but we'll go, we'll spend a bit of time on it again. Um, Simon Peter answered sorry let's go back um, verse 13 when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples saying who do men say that I the son of man am so they said some said John the Baptist some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the, the prophets he said to them but who do you say that I am Simon Peter answered and said you are the Christ the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also said to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, Okay. I just want to, I, I'm just going to spend a couple of seconds here and just, uh, I w we won't turn to the scriptures, but I would just want you to see the various other times in the New Testament where Jesus would de declare to be the Messiah. Um, the last, um, the last time we were here, we talked about Luke 4, 
uh, verse 18 and 19, when Jesus is reading in the synagogue and he opens, he, he reads from the scroll, remember, in, in Isaiah 61. And, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to poor, etc., etc." And then he put the scroll down, he went back and he, and he sat down and he said, this, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Well, everybody knew that that was a messianic scripture. That was a scripture about the Messiah. And Isaiah, Isaiah was talking about the Messiah. So for Jesus to, to say, today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears, he was basically saying, I'm the Messiah. Um, remember we mentioned uh, the, the high priest demanding, are you the Christ? And Jesus basically said yes. In John chapter 10, the Jews said, tell us, tell us plainly, you know, are you the Christ? And so Jesus is beginning to uh, tell people that he is the Christ. <clears throat> um, but one, some of the ones that's really fascinating is in uh, the Acts of the Apostles. So when... Um, Jesus has gone back to heaven and the likes of Paul or Apollos or different ones, Philip, they're going out preaching the gospel. You know, what they're doing is, well, I'll read them out for you. Um, in Acts chapter 8, Philip preaches to the, uh, in verse 37, he, he's uh, speaking to the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch. And, and uh, well, actually, let's go there real quick because I can't remember all the details of it. Acts chapter 8, verse 37. <clears throat> uh, I'm in the right place. Sorry, sorry. Um, this is, I get mixed up. This is uh, Paul, or sorry, Peter uh, at Cornelius' house. Verse 37. I, I've got mixed up. Sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. That would help, like. Yeah. Um, okay. So he's speaking to the eunuch, and the eunuch was reading from the, the, uh, the he was reading the scroll from the prophet Isaiah, and verse thirty-two. And Philip ran up beside him, and he says, "You know, can I help you?" And he said, "Well, he said, how can I understand this unless somebody guides me?" And he's reading, uh, verse 32 says, he was reading this part where it says, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before his shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away and who will declare his generation? His life is taken from him. Um, and he says um, in verse 34, you know, who's, who's he talking about here? Um, 
verse 35 says, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And, and Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Again, what I, what I want to show you is that um, the eunuch was reading a messianic verse from the book of Isaiah. And Philip pointed him to Jesus of Nazareth. It was the man born in Bethlehem called Jesus of Nazareth because he, he grew up in Nazareth. He is this Messiah that the prophet Isaiah is talking about. <clears throat> um, another example of that. Um, well, let's, I'll just, let me just flick through them. So in Acts chapter 9, verse 20 to 22, Paul preaches Christ to the Jews. In chapter 18, verse 28, Apollos vigorously refuted the Jews publicly showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. In Acts chapter 17, verses 2 and 3, Paul at Thessalonica, reasoning from the scripture that Jesus is the Christ. In Acts chapter 18, verse 5, Paul at Corinth testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Can you see the common thread here? In Luke chapter 24, I mentioned this the last day, but let's, uh, will we go there? No, no, we won't go there. In Luke chapter 24, verse 13, Jesus is after rising from the dead. They're after going to the tomb. There's nobody in the tomb. And on the road to Emmaus, there's two guys, two disciples, um, and Jesus pulls up beside them. They don't recognize him. And um, um, but what it says that eventually they thought that Jesus didn't know or they thought that Jesus didn't know what had just happened. You know, they didn't know who he was. So they didn't know, that, you know, this guy must be a stranger. He doesn't know what's going on here. But eventually he, he basically stopped them in their tracks and he said, and he, he showed them from um, the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses the prophets and the Psalms. He, he showed about himself from these books. I thought that was amazing when I seen it recently. Okay. <clears throat> I, I just wanted to flick through them because uh, um, yeah, I'll just leave that. Okay. So, what time is it? I've run out of time, have I? For goodness sake. And I'm not just, I wanted to get to the finale here. <laughs> Let me just take a couple of seconds and I'll just... A flick through it to give you a wee taster because um, um, John the Baptist sorry before John the Baptist John chapter 1 the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us speaking of Jesus 
Then you see John the Baptist and all the different um, uh, people in the book of Acts and even Jesus himself revealing that this man is the Christ. So what I want to move on to, which I'll have to do it another day, is Paul's revelation. And I know I said this before, but I, I think I need to keep saying it because the fullness of the revelation of who Christ is was not in the Old Testament. And Paul knew, and I haven't got the scripture here, but I'll show it to you maybe the next time. Paul knew that God had um, given him the task of opening up the mystery. Now the word mystery is, is a hidden truth that hasn't been seen before. This hidden truth was unveiled by the Apostle Paul. And it comes out in all the, the letters, the likes of Ephesians, Colossians, etc., etc. Um, and where I want to get to is what I said to you, I want to show you the scriptures where it talks about us being crucified with Christ, buried in baptism, risen to new life, and, and now we're in him. So what does that mean then? And the importance of identifying what, who you really are in Christ. And uh, the scriptures that talk about putting on the new man, putting on Christ. I want to talk about that. Because like in Romans chapter 6, it says, reckon yourselves dead. Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. The first part, reckon yourselves dead. So reckon yourselves dead to what? Dead to sin. The old man of sin is dead. So that, that old man is dead. So don't give it any life. Don't, don't permit sin to um, have a reign in your life. You're, you are freed from that. Your life now is hidden with Christ in God. So, so we have to put on that new man. How do you put on the new man? Well, I believe from some of the scriptures that I've read, it's got to do with, excuse me, it's got to do with knowledge, uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, be not conformed to this world, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed to what? Transformed to who you are in Christ. We're a new creature. So what does that new creature look like? What is the... Um, um, you know, when you talk about putting on the new man, it's talking about clothing yourself. And I was thinking about this a few weeks back, and I was thinking, the different times in my life that I have clothed myself for, di for different types of occupations. For example, a few years ago, I was a sales manager for a company in Lisbon. So I clothed myself in the morning, not just with clothes, but with an attitude of mind. I'm a sales manager. When I jumped into that car, when I went to meet a customer, I'm, I'm the sales manager for this company in Lisbon. So there was an authority to that. There was a self-image. Um, there was responsibility. When we clothe ourselves with who we are in Christ, it's 
clothe yourself with who you are in authority. Clothe yourself with the character of God that you represent. He's a God of love, a God of mercy. Um, do you understand what I'm saying? You're, you're clothing yourself with the, the identity that you have. But first of all, you've got to find out what that identity is. So as we read the New Testament scriptures, especially the writings of Paul, we see our identity all over the place. And we've got to put that on. We've got to clothe ourselves with that understanding, with that mindset, and with, with the faith that I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm above and not beneath. I'm a victor in Christ. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Um, I'm born of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. As far as, as, far as the security of my, turn, my eternity, it's, it's secure. So that your identity shows you all these things and we're to clothe ourselves with that. So won't get to that tonight, but there's something else. No, let's, let's leave it at that because um, I know where I'm starting the next time. Let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the, the, the beautiful revelation that's in your word. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we would have grasped some things tonight and that uh, you, your word is sown in our hearts, Lord. And uh, from this point, we'll be able to add more to it and grow it from here. Thank you for the revelation of who we are in Christ. I pray, Lord, that that becomes a powerful revelation in us. And as it says in, where is it, in Philippines, he talks about Christ being magnified in, in our body. Paul says to live is Christ. That our life would, would exemplify Christ in us that we would represent you well, Lord, that, you're, that you would be glorified in your body, your church. Amen. So help us, Lord, to, to, and give us revelation on these things in Jesus' name. We thank you for a lovely night in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.